episode eight of the Show Me the Money Hockey Podcast. Jonathan Davis from NHL Network Radio. Hart Levine, the brains behind Puckpedia.com. And Hart, uh, big news in the hockey world. And welcome back ESPN to the National Hockey League with their new seven-year deal to broadcast the NHL uh, for a guy that uh, has been in the U.S. for 25 consecutive years now. Uh, this is very exciting for me. I remember the days of uh, NHL tonight, and uh, I can't wait. To, I, I'm, I'm really excited that they're back in the, in the game. Yeah, it's huge news, even for people in Canada. I mean, this has a big impact on hockey's popularity and coverage and revenue, which means the salary cap. So yeah, it's it's big, big news for hockey. Maybe I'll just quickly recap here the, the terms of the deal in case people missed it. So it's a, a seven-year deal. ESPN or ABC will have 25 uh, regular season games with another 75 games that you can only find on either ESPN Plus or Hulu. Um, they'll also get half the playoff games, including the cup final on ESPN or ABC four out of the seven years. And then this is, I think, uh, potentially underreported part of it. There'll be no more NHL TV app, which is how you get the streaming package in the States, um, outside of your cable package Instead, that will all be on ESPN plus and, the, and ESPN plus may be separate or they may actually merge it right into Hulu. So instead of paying the pretty expensive price for NHL TV, you'll get that all in your ESPN plus app, which I'm sure a lot of hockey fans already have, or if not, it's, it's quite a bit less. So it's actually a good deal for American hockey fans. If you, if you want to stream the games for all the out-of-market games. You know, talking about underreported, Hart, I didn't know that. Well, now you know. I get the I, right you, place. You have just educated me <laughs> on this one. I was, you know, because I was wondering about how that was all going to work. Uh, so that, that the, the really center ice package will still be available in the States through your cable provider. So you can right. still spend whatever it is, 100, 150 bucks on that through like your direct TV, your dish. Yeah. But normally that would get you NHL.tv. Um, but if you didn't have that, you'd have to pay, I think it was like 25 bucks a month for NHL the TV app. Now that's just going to be anyone yeah. that has ESPN plus will get all those games. Yeah. It was a hundred bucks for the package on NHL.tv because yeah. I ended up dropping um, the cable side. I just have the streaming side for me. So that, that is interesting. And uh, Hey, look, uh, you know, I, I'm just interested to see, you know, who's going to be broadcasting the game for ESPN, you know, you know, Mr. Overtime, Steve Levy. And, you know, I'd love to see Ray Ferraro come back, but this is just a great thing for the NHL. Very excited. But, you know, I, there, there's you know, a lot of money involved here that ESPN is putting out. We still don't know who the second partner is. But, Hart, just kind of explain to the listeners, like, it's not like the salary cap, even with all this additional money, it ain't going up next year or the year after. It's still going to probably take some time. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the money. So, yeah, right now, um, NHL is getting about a, a $240 million in this last year from NBC. Um, they were already getting about a hundred million from ESPN because there are some games on ESPN Plus right now. So this deal has been reported. It's about it's going to start at about four hundred million a year and then go up. So they're really only up about sixty million to start with. But this is only just over half the package. This is what they're calling the A package. They're still whole bunch of regular season games to sell plus half the playoffs and plus three out of seven cup finals um we also haven't heard about um uh the outdoor game on on january 1st we haven't heard about the draft so they still have a lot more to sell to either nbc or fox or maybe espn comes and picks up that too so there's still money and if so let's just say that whole deal if we're at 
you know, 400 ish million. Now, if they can pick up another 150, 200 million to be at 600 versus the sort of 340 now, that's, that's quite a big increase. Um, yeah, we're not going to see that in hitting the salary cap right now. And that's because as we've talked about on this podcast before over between this season and the last season, the players have received way more than 50% of the revenue share because, because revenue went way down, but the players compensation didn't go down. And so there's this big pool of money that the players basically have to work off um, until revenue picks up. Before this new deal, if things were kind of the status quo, we're talking maybe seven, eight years before it's uh, paid off. And in the new CBA, there's even a mechanism to sort of extend the CBA if there's still a big bucket of money owing. What this means is, and again, we're going to wait on that second part of the deal to come out, but where it looks like it's heading is we may actually get the salary cap increasing during the CBA. Maybe it's three, four, five years. Um, so it's not going to do anything right now, but that's a big difference uh, between the cap going up in, let's say four years versus it going up in seven or eight years. That's kind of cuts the time down in half. So, you know, it's not one of those things that are going to change things right away. It's a bit of delayed gratification, but it will have a big impact on the finances of the, of the league kind of halfway through the CBA. And it definitely changes things uh, financially when they go back to the negotiating table in seven or eight years, it's, it, it should hopefully not be, still a big debt that the players owe the owners, they should be back to sort of square and negotiating from that standpoint on the next time around. Yeah. And then remind me, so I've been here for 25 consecutive years and, uh, or 20, yeah, something like that. You've been here how long? Um, seven years, seven years, seven years so, in the U S yeah. So I didn't, I, I don't really remember no ESPN on, on the NHL. I, you know, I was watching Canada before then, and yeah. now I just know ESPN for their lack of hockey coverage and kind of <laughs> rolling your eyes that it, it doesn't even make sports center. So it's really exciting to, to, you know, the thought of it being higher up in the rotation in, in discussions or actually being in the rotation for discussions on ESPN programming. I mean, look, I, I was around when it was NHL Tonight. Uh, it was a great product. They did a phenomenal job. Uh, and, you know, uh, like I said, looking forward to it. So we've got two really good guests, I think. that Amazing that can, guests. Amazing guests that I think can give us, you know, two different perspectives just on 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 this deal. One, Andrew Marchand uh, from the New York Post. He can give us kind of like the business side and, and, and the impact um, that this deal will have. Uh, going forward. And then Linda Cohn, uh, you know, loves hockey, brought, you know, was, has been, you know, is one of the hosts, uh, the co-hosts of In the Crease uh, with Barry Melrose. That's on ESPN Plus right now. And a uh, huge hockey fan, played it growing up. Uh, I really like, you know, just, you know, her excitement. You could just feel like she, she wants him to drop the puck tomorrow on, on ESPN TV. Uh, so I, I really liked a lot of things that she shared with, with us. Yeah. I think we, we nailed the top two guests that we could get for such a big, big topic. We got the business side, we got the broadcast side and, you know, we tried to pepper her with information on, uh, who's going to be on the broadcasts or on the, on the shows. I don't think she knows yet either, but she's got uh, a rooting interest as well. So that was great to hear. Right. So as Linda will, will share with us, don't send, uh, your resumes to her. Don't pump her for a job. Uh, you know, you're going to have to, everyone's going to have to go the old fashioned way. So without further ado, uh, we're going to kick things off with Andrew Marchand uh, from the New York Post. And uh, we'll hear Andrew's thoughts that he shared with us when we caught up with him recently. Well, we're really excited to have joining us on the Show Me the Money Hockey podcast, Andrew Marchand. He's the New York Post sports media columnist. He's all over big sports media news, and he's written several articles on the big uh, U.S. NHL rights deal with ESPN. Really excited to have you join us, Andrew. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
So I guess let's get right into it. One of your tweets that you put out that I found really interesting was just on the, on the money. Um, I think most most people have, had seen that the NBC deal was two hundred million a year, and you'd reported this was about four hundred million a year. But it's not quite a two hundred million dollar increase, right? So maybe you could share that with us. Sure. I mean, depends who was looking at it. You know, the NHL. I'm sure will say, well, that's two hundred million. This is the A package. The old A package was NBC's. But really, the way that probably should be looked at the fair way is with this a package is um this year i was told nbc's paying 240 million for the final year of the deal um it was a 10-year two billion dollar deal so it averaged 200 million but this year they're paying 240. Uh, espn already pays the nhl 100 million dollars um in right fees for digital uh, content which go- dates back to when uh, mlb bam was the uh, partner and then ESPN bought MLB BAM. Um, so, you know, they're adding obviously there with the inventory that's going to be on ESPN plus and Hulu. And so, um, you know, again, I'm not sure exactly which is, you know, how much is going to each, but you add those two up, the 240 from NBC right now, the current hundred million, that's 340. So when you go from 340 to 400, it's an increase. And it's good for the NHL because they still have another package to sell. That's where their upside is going to come. Uh, and then you could understand the, the financials on the Disney, ESPN, ABC perspective. So I know it might be hard to, to guess, but how do you think this deal compares um, to what they might have been able to do with no pandemic? Like, do you think they, they got less uh, because of the pandemic? Do you think, you know, this is probably what the market was if it was just they, they hummed along in the last year with no pandemic? How, how do you think it impacted this, this price? A good question. Um, I don't think it impacted it that much because, you know, I wrote a column about this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, the, the digital play is where the money was for uh, the NHL and, I think this deal kind of shows that. I mean, they, they still, they did well, you know, linear with their linear TV, which is ABC slash ESPN. I mean, they're, they're, they probably got a little bit of an increase, but not that much. Um, but digital is where like things are going, um, you know, long-term. Um, but especially for a league like the NHL, which is, you know, very heavy local uh, for the regular season in terms of interest. And then, you know, broadens out more during the playoffs. And then, of course, the Stanley Cup finals. So, um, yeah, I don't think they were impacted that much. And I think when we see the NFL deals that will be announced shortly and what they get, um, they're not going to be impacted at all. So I, I think these are long-term plays. And look at Disney stock. They have plenty of – they're doing really well. So I just think if you, if you look at the business model and where things are going, I don't think they were really hurt that much. Now, I say that, and let me put a caveat, we haven't seen the second half of the deal. So does Fox and NBC, who, um, you know, NBC definitely wants to stay in. Fox, I think, is interested, but to a point, um, you know, where that comes out, they, they might get hurt a little bit on that back end, but they're still going to do well in comparison to where they were. And, and especially with, you know, what's gone on now last year without, a t- you know, without fans for, most, for, for some of it. And now this year, uh, you know, where, where things are in terms of people being at games and, and that, you know, that revenue loss. Andrew, explain to the listeners, but really to those in Canada who, who may not appreciate the significance of ESPN coming back and, and being a TV partner for the NHL. 
you know, ESPN is, you know, they used to, they, they don't, they get bad when I say this, they, you know, they used to be known as the worldwide leader. <laughs> so, you know, I can use that in columns sometimes to my, uh, you know, you know, they take a little shot here, worldwide leader, whatever, but so they don't technically go by that anymore, but you know, they are the most dominant sports media company in the world. Um, not only the United States. So, um, so obviously when they left, um, that was a big deal. Um, so I think it's twofold though. I, I personally, I wrote something about it in a column, a note today, um, that, you know, I, I don't, the, the idea that like, this is going to reach different, um, hockey fans or more fans. I don't know if that's really the case in a digital world, you know, like sports center, you know, like you guys have sports center on TSN sports Sontra, um, <laughs> you know, is, uh, um, is, uh, is you know important it's like they still has social relevance it's just not as important as it once was like when they when the nhl left in 2004 it was still you know again um it was more relevant than it is now again not saying it's not relevant but I, the younger generations who we're talking about you, you you know i don't know how old you guys are you know exactly but um you know you're i think a little bit before this i know i, I i'm pretty sure a little bit before this tiktok you know, Instagram generation, not that you don't necessarily have that, but like this teenage group um, mm. to get them to watch games is, is a, is a tough task because the, the way the world's changed. And this, I think is a big thing when people talk about, to me, this is probably the biggest thing people talk about. They look at ratings and they say, well, the ratings are down and look at the younger ratings. The, the biggest thing is when I was a kid, I think you, when you guys are, I think you probably, I'm 46. So you guys, I think are a little younger than I am, but the, uh, um, I don't want to presume. How old are you? Why am I presuming? I I am over fifty. Okay, well, you I'm, look young. I'm younger than that. So we, you're right in the All middle right. of us. <laughs> All right, fine. So, but sorry, so you can relate to this. So, but yeah. Wayne Gretzky, if you wanted to see Wayne Gretzky do something amazing, you had to watch that game. If you didn't watch the game, you could maybe see the local news. You could maybe see Sports Centra or did I say it right? Sports Centra um, <laughs> or Sports Center. So those are the two ways. Like they, there wasn't, there wasn't your phone. So now, you know, if um, someone does something great, uh, it, it's on every social media um, everywhere within seconds. And so you don't miss anything. And so like, so I think that, and I think kids are more, you know, like why do I have to spend two and a half hours when I'll just, I want to see what I want to see. I'm just waiting for those moments. And, you know, so they can just get the instant gratification without the, putting in the quote work like we did. Um, and so uh, how do you get some, yeah, the diehard fan, are they going to go and want to watch every game? Yes. But I just think these kids are, you know, they're, they're getting trained on their devices to not necessarily want this. So how does that change the media landscape? Well, the diehard fan is going to probably not is invariably going to have to pay a little bit more to get everything. Uh, they'll be very satisfied with what they'll be able to get, how they'll be able to get it. But, but they'll have to pay for it in, in a more direct way. But as a follow-up to that, Andrew, I, I just wonder, you know, now there is there is at least more of an opportunity for, you know, whether it's Stephen A. Smith who put out the fun video last night or whether it's Skip and Shannon, you know, to, to, to have them talk hockey on the other platforms of, of, of the channel, now there's that opportunity that the, that the league wouldn't have happened before. So I, could we not see a benefit there? Um, you know, at least getting more exposure. Yeah, I think minimally. Like, I don't think, like, they're not going to talk on first take, which is Stephen A. Smith's show, 
Like they're not going to talk hockey that much. And when they do, it's going to be stupid. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, like Stephen A was kind of making fun of himself and it was yeah. good. You know, that was funny as a one-off, but like, do you really want to hear Stephen A who just said he doesn't know anything about hockey? And so you know, don't fake it. So I respect that. And Max Kellerman says, nobody cares about hockey. Like, I don't know. I, I never said a thing. I never, so I don't really think that like the radio host, and I, you, know, you don't get this in Canada, but you know, as much, but like the, you know, I'm a soccer guy. So, you know, hockey and soccer are similar in that they are big time sports um, worldwide and have very loyal followings who people who just love the sport more than anything, but you know, are kind of disrespected. So I never understood the talk show host who's like ripping out hockey or soccer it's like who are you appealing to right like if i'm listening i actually like those sports it's like you're insulting me like i like it so you know leave me alone and then like if you didn't like it, it's like oh yeah you tell them it's like nah you probably don't care either so i i guess my point is is that yeah i mean look could that help a little bit it can't hurt but like i don't think it's going to change that much of the programming and i just think in a digital world right i think the hockey fan and i'm a dire i'm listening to this podcast Right. I love hockey. I want to hear hockey. So I, am I really watching first take? Now, yeah, you could have other interests, but I just think shows like that also are just kind of, um, now there's a long tail and those shows are popular, especially the ones that are on cable. Um, but like, um, you know, the difference in the digital world is I can get the content I want. The people listening right now, they like hockey. They don't, they're not going to be drawn in by first take or sports center talking about it because most, you know, maybe some of them watch, but they're going to watch anyway. So I don't know if like Stephen A. Talk, oh, now I'm going to watch hockey. I just think it's, um, it, it doesn't hurt. I just don't think it helps that much. And in the United States, NBC is not like a small player. You know what I mean? They were on, they're going to be on 16 times this year. They're on after the Kentucky Derby. They're promoted a lot. I mean, it's not like NBC is nothing. Yeah. Do, do with this, so there's going to be 75 games um, exclusively on ESPN Plus or Hulu, and then all the out of market games on ESPN Plus. Do, do you think that their hope or goal is that, you know, there'll be casual people on Hulu looking at, you know, uh, shows and they'll come across a hockey game and, and watch it? Or is it more around getting hockey fans to buy ESPN Plus and, and just boost ESPN Plus subscribers, right? Or a combination of the two? Yeah, it's a combo. I mean, here's the thing that sometimes is like, um, undervalued, I think, in general about these new services is that they need, they need to have content on there, right? It can't, everything's not just about like, I need to get you to subscribe. Obviously, that's the number one goal is to have programming that will get people to subscribe. But once you're on there, it's got to be worth your while. So yeah, so with Hulu, you know, you have what, I think 39 million subscribers right now. So yeah, can you maybe reach a casual person that way and make their service differentiated against another service if there's a choice there um yeah you could like i don't you're not going to get hulu for hockey now espn plus so that's one play so they get a little casual um direct to consumer play there and then they're going to get a passionate um diehard i want everything fan um on espn plus and like look overall this isn't great for the consumer all this stuff it's not it's just more money for you that said um I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, NHL.TV, I think it's like $70 yeah, it was for the season. Yeah. yeah, so $70 for the season. Now, you know, you get a bundle with uh, Disney and, and, and Hulu and, and ESPN Plus, and it's about $6 right now. So you do that, that's $72, right? $3, and you get all this extra stuff, right? You get yeah. soccer, you get the UFC, you get all this other stuff on uh, programming shows. So, like, for the 
person who was on NHL.tv, this seems like a win, yeah, right? Sure. You know, and you might already have, I mean, already 100 million people have Disney Plus, so you already have that. So then you could bundle. I mean, this is obviously the play by Disney. You get everyone to bundle. So it's like we add cable, now the rebundling of everything. And Disney's going to own, you know, in this circumstance, they own everything. And it makes sense. You know, sports is different, though, than a Netflix or a Disney Plus. And, you know, how that plays in the direct-to-consumer is a little bit different because you're leasing the you're leasing the content, right? So if Netflix owns Stranger Things, they own it forever, right? And so they can just make money. They probably already made money on Stranger Things, and they'll just keep making money forever. Your kids will watch Stranger Things, maybe, right? So it's um, but this you lease the stuff for seven years, and you got to give another you know four hundred million dollars a year. So it's a little bit of a different play. So Disney's combining all three of those things, and it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, when you when you think about it, now will it work? Is another question. It does make sense though. Are you hearing anything on on the programming? So uh, either for the play by play or like for studio shows, like you know NHL Tonight or 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 things like that. Are you hearing anything about the talent, or is it way too early for what ESPN might do with some of the the talent decisions? Yeah, nothing definitive. I'd be surprised if Steve Levy's not the number one play by play guy. I mean, he's already doing Monday Night Football. He's a hockey guy, um, so I'd be surprised. You know, Linda Cohn. John Bucci Gross, Barry Melrose are um, people I would think would be involved. Um, and, you know, they're veteran people who've been with ESPN for a long time. So then, you know, I think someone who's on radio in New York, Rick DiPietro, could get a look. They like him um, a lot. And I could see him um, maybe being on games or in studio. Um, you know, uh, Jenny Taft is someone not at ESPN who I could see maybe getting a um, a look from ESPN. She's, you know, her dad played and, you know, I think her mom was a speed skater and she, you know, grew up on, 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 uh, on skates. I could see her being maybe in the mix and, you know, so they'll look, um, like that. So I, and they're going to, you know, they already do this show with Linda, um, with, you know, in the crease, uh, on plus. So, um, I think there'll be an expansion of that, but, but I think that's where, um, so yeah, so like, so you know, we talked about like where that could, you know, having ESPN platform to kind of with them interested all of a sudden again, what a coincidence, um, <laughs> to uh, to to uh, to have more shows and stuff. Yeah, that can't hurt um, either um, because it's more in there. But I just don't know if that's what drives it necessarily in terms of more viewership. One of the things I haven't seen either in this package or the package that's left is the NHL draft. Have you have you heard? Is that is that part of the this A package or is that still up for grabs and maybe part of the the B? Whoever gets the the next piece of it. It's a good question. I don't know the answer to it. I, I'd like to see ESPN. They do a good job with the draft, you know. Um, so I would like to see them get it, but I have not heard that. And and so. Just to kind of wrap then with that remaining package, which is, you know, the three cups and half the playoffs and everything. Um, do you think it's most likely NBC? Is that how you'd handicap it? NBC for a couple hundred million dollars? Is that you think the most likely is yeah, Fox sort of being used to drive the price up? Or, or what are your thoughts on handicapping? Um, well, yeah, I wouldn't say anything definitive. Like, I think one or the, I'd say, like, if I say who's the favorite, I'd say NBC. They're the incumbent. They have a relationship um, with hockey. But that said, they Comcast, their parent company, has said that you know they're going to have to make some choices, and it seems like the choices are Premier League or the NHL. And now they're getting a second package. You know, they get three Stanley Cups. Um, I think the Winter Classics are still in play. So I mean, it's not like you know you don't get the better 
Western, con- you know, you'll, you'll get the second conference final each year. But look, it's still a good package. Um, so I would say they're the favorites. I think Fox is interested to a point. Like they're not going to go crazy. This is in the NFL. They're not just going to go crazy where they're doubling fees like both networks are uh, for their NFL deals. They're going to double what they're paying right now. You know, so if it makes sense, they'll be in. So, like, I, I guess I would say um, I put NBC as the leader, uh, but I don't think, like, if Fox got it, it wouldn't be like, oh, my God, I'm shocked. I'd, I'd be like, okay, NBC just, you know, didn't think, you know, what they were being offered is worth it at that price point, and Fox uh, felt like they could make money on it. And Fox does have that hole in their schedule. If you look at, you know, they have a lot of events, but if you look at that schedule, um, you know, they, they really could, it could fit very nicely into what they do um, to really round out their full year. And, and look, they've been good partners to a lot of people. People like working and NBC as well, but you know, people, the NFL, they like, they like putting on, they, they do a good job of putting on their events. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, our listeners, uh, make sure you check out uh, Andrew's article that, on the New York Post. He's already had a couple um, on this, including some in the most recent notes um, that came out most recently. So thanks again, Andrew. And I'm sure uh, we'll be following for, for what happens with the next package and some of the programming decisions or the on-air talent decisions as well with this. And let me ask you this though, before I go, do you want the glowing puck to return? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're open to creative <laughs> ideas, but not that one. That's for sure. We need, we need, I don't know if you guys are NFL fans, but Monday Night Football, they had the Booger Mobile. So, you know, <laughs> they had like Booger McFarland was on like a mobile yeah. on the side. We need the glowing puck and the booger mobile and one broadcast that would be uh those are maybe the two worst uh ideas in (laughs) sports media (laughs) you know we thought with the with the no fans there'd be an opportunity for better camera angles and stuff and they they did some experimenting but they just kind of went back to the the standard people are used to the angles and things yeah i kind of like the standard too i don't know when they do it on replays it's fine but like i don't like the um i don't usually it's like yeah you know what like you're showing me like some shot that's like yeah, you had me like in the front row. Now I'm in like some like uh, nosebleed seat. Like I don't. Why would I want to? What would yeah. choose to watch a game that way? But anyway, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, right. best of luck with everything. Thank All you. Right, so thanks much. for taking the time. Take care. Thanks again to Andrew Marshan from the New York Post uh, for sharing his thoughts on the business side of the ESPN deal. And next up, we are joined by Linda Cohn. You know her as the Sports Center anchor the host of In the Crease on ESPN+. And Linda shared her thoughts with Hart and I about her excitement on the NHL coming back to ESPN. Our conversation with Linda Cone. Well, hockey is back where it belongs. And in the United States, that, that of course means it's on ESPN. And we're very excited to have Linda Cone from ESPN join us here on the Show Me the Money Hockey Podcast. Linda, thanks for making the time. Uh, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Really pumped up and excited since the big news a week ago. So when this deal for me was announced, there were a couple of people that immediately came to mind. Yourself, Barry Melrose, yep. John Butchergrass, Mr. Overtime, Steve Levy. <laughs> yeah. But looking down upon us, Linda, I have to think about Tom Meese. Yes. And I just wonder what Tom would be thinking 
when he heard the announcement from above and just, you know, your memories of, of working with the guy that loved the game so much. You know, I'm really glad you brought up Tom Mees. Uh, I'm serious because when I started at ESPN hosting Sports Center in 1992, uh, Tom and I did tons of Sports Centers together, co-anchored at the 2 a.m. Eastern, okay, Sports Center, like on a Friday and Saturday night. And of course, me growing up a Rangers fan and of course, still wearing that Ranger, uh, you know, colors and Tommy, the late Tommy, he loved the Flyers so much. So we would always get into it. But my, <laughs> seriously, we would. Shocking, right? Rangers and Flyers fans. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was amazing when I first started ESPN, even though I was in the business before um, and ESPN was my big break, I was still nervous. You know, I was still uptight. And Tommy and I hit it off, had great chemistry because of the whole hockey community, the whole hockey bond. And the other thing is I patterned a lot of, what I do on SportsCenter, whether it's the ad-libbing, when it's the animation. I mean, you can never see what we were doing when we were doing highlights. When I regard, when I say animation, I mean, using, moving our hands, looking at each other, you know, go, you know, really like passionate, right? And I am so proud of the fact that a lot of Tommy Mees rubbed off on me, especially in those early days of SportsCenter and helped mold me as a SportsCenter anchor. And now look at me 29 years later, still there. And now doing in the crease. And yeah, I, I, I've always, yeah, one of, one of the all-time greats, Tom Meese. As, as Jonathan mentioned, you know, you were one of the first names that came to mind when the announcement came out. But we'd love to hear, I'm sure you heard, you know, this was coming. But when you heard the, the news that it was a done deal, what, what was your reaction and, and how did you find out? Yeah, you know, uh, for sure. You know, I, I hear, as a matter of fact, you knew it was, you kind of knew it was coming. And I just knew we had the right leader at ESPN, uh, Jimmy Pitaro, who's a big hockey fan. And when he came on board in this, you know, big time position, uh, I knew suddenly I felt like, you know what, this might happen. This might happen in the next few years when he came on board because he cared so much about the game. He appreciated the NHL. And so when it, the news finally happened and how I got it, the news, well, you know, Chris Johnston from Sportsnet <laughs> really broke the story. I have wow. to be honest with you. I'm looking on my phone. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. But then my ESPN bosses were like, don't do anything. Don't retweet. <laughs> and I get it because they were like, we have to make the big announcement. You know, it's not it's set in stone yet. And if I was in their place, I would have said the same thing to all of my colleagues who were pumped up. That's how I found out. And then um, I, I just think I uh, it's great. And you mentioned the core group. You know, we kept the light on, so to speak, you know, and and yeah, and here's the thing. Maybe people don't under, don't understand. You guys do. Um, but when you when you uh, are a network like ESPN or whether it's Sportsnet or, you know, whatever it is or NBC, whatever. When you own that property, when you make a commitment to a property like that and so much money is being spent and there's passion behind it, you better believe this sport will be covered like it has never been before, even though we had it back in the day. But there was no social media. There was no all these other things, other platform levels. Um, you know, it was a bit more serious. Now we have an entertainment factor that really will branch out the game bring out the personality in these players. You know, back in the day, they did sports center commercials, which were awesome, but the best, the best, right? <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, I did a couple with Henrik Lundqvist, of course. I did one back in the day with Mike Richter. You know, if you're just talking hockey guys, I know Levy did one with Alex Ovechkin when he first broke into the league, um, you know, stuff like that. But can you imagine now with what's available with technology and, and the power behind ESPN and of course the streaming, 
is fabulous. And ESPN Plus, which I've been a part of for the last two and a half years with In the Crease, what a what what a bargain. I mean, and that's where and we're already seeing live NHL games on ESPN Plus and we don't even have the complete package yet. That comes in October. So to just to build on that, I mean, so take us, you know, inside ESPN and behind the scenes production meetings of how shows like SportsCenter or you know, um, you know, PTI or Greenies Morning Show. How does that now change with hockey being back in the family? You know, just take us through a production meeting on how it would be, you know, come next season and what it may be like now. Well, I think that we're already seeing some changes, even though we're not officially having it yet. Um, whether the placement of the NHL on ESPN.com, uh, mentioning it on the mainstream shows like Get Up. Uh, you know, uh, Stephen A. Smith getting a lot of love, you know, with his little fun bit on his podcast or his show on ESPN Plus called Stephen A.'s World. Uh, he did. It was really funny, you know, and, and um, you know, that's what I'd like. I mean, we'll me, you, we all of us, we're all like, OK, we're already in. You got to win over the casual sports fans. And when you have guys like Greeny, Stephen A., people like that, big powerhouses, faces of the franchise, so to speak, uh, VSPN, talking about it in any way they can. Well, people are going to take notice, people that have never thought about the NHL. I told Stephen A., I tweeted at him, I go, hey, anytime you need any help, let me know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not the only one. So I think that's a good thing. I really do. People are like, oh, you know, they're making fun, blah, blah. No, no, this is all entertainment. That's what we're in. And that's why I think ESPN is so great. E is for entertainment, right? We have to uh, approach this with a balance. Not only the hardcore people like me, Butchie, Levy, Melrose, we'll always bring it. We're always serious. It's part of our DNA regarding it. We take it seriously. But you need those other levels, those other platforms to make it even bigger. And listen, Gary Bettman is a smart man, best commissioner in sports, I think. And he got this done with Jimmy Pataro. I think it's just fantastic. It is win-win for both sides, not just the NHL, for the ESPN and Walt Disney Company and the family of uh, networks. Can you convert Max Kellerman? <laughs> <laughs> I tried and I got in trouble. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, listen, he, he's going to he's going to have to come around. Listen, deep down, I think he I think he was just playing a role. I think deep down he has no he has nothing wrong. He, he just said a, a phrase that uh, got a lot of clicks. I mean, Max deep down appreciates, respects hockey. Um, but yeah, I think Stephen A will have to teach him a few things. You you mentioned uh, some of the personalities of of people in hockey. Do you th- are there some players that come to mind that you think, you know, with the ESPN push, um, viewers getting exposed to that you, you think will really resonate? Are there, are there some current players that you think will, with big personalities that are just waiting for a spotlight to be sh- shown on them? Well, let me tell you, the uh, the uh, reaction from current and former players have been re- has been remarkable. Like they're so happy, you know, and many of the players that have called it quits wishes they were still playing now that ESPN has the package back. But, you know, deep down, there are hidden personalities there. They are just told to be reserved and conservative. And I don't mean conservative. I mean, quiet, you know, type of situation where if they are given a stage where if they're able to do more sports center commercials, are they able to do um, some fun interviews where, you know, have where, how do I say it? Just kind of an expanded coverage to bring out where the, where the main aim is to bring out a personality. 
you might see the Connor McDavid's of the world open up. You might see Austin Matthews uh, taking us where we've never gone before. Cam Atkinson of Columbus. I mean, I know Alex Ovechkin. That's a no-brainer, obviously. Yeah, I had him. I sat him down on the couch for in the crease. And he said when he catched Gretzky, well, you know, back then when he had a serious shot, still think he might have an outside shot, but hmm, I don't know. But what he did, he said, you know, yep, as soon as I catch Gretzky, bye. That's my next move, retirement. So that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you're not sure, but I think, see, here's the thing what I mentioned a lot of these interviews, and it's the real, real truth, and I know you guys agree. What ESPN does with these other sports, whether it's the NBA, with the NFL, even Major League Baseball, bringing out these personalities and all, you may not be into that sport. These hockey players have seen it. They sit there in the hotel rooms. They'll watch ESPN here in the States, and they'll be like, hey, how come Damian Lillard has another sports center commercial? I don't know. When you have Patrick Mahomes, you know, let's get it. Let's get a State Farm commercial for, you know, an NHL player. But that's what they're thinking, or at least the representation is thinking it, because it starts with simple sports center commercials that bring out that personality. And that's what I know players are thinking about. And oh, by the way, it might might mean a little more, you know, extra money being earned. That doesn't hurt an NHL player either. You know, Linda, I, I look at, you know, over, overheard the last couple of days about how there are some Canadian owners that would love to see the Canadian division go beyond this year. And I think it would be great because I think, I think for, even from a financial standpoint, a Canadian team in the playoffs is only going to benefit, I think, the NHL. I would love to see it also continue because I'd love to see, I'd love to see the East division continue. I, I think that, that would be great. I think it'd be great for ESPN. Could you imagine? Look, I don't want to see eight Ranger Islander games necessarily, but I'd like to see five. I'd like to see, you know, cross divisional play. But to know that every year we could have the Rangers and Islanders in the playoffs or the Flyers and Penguins, I think that would really help the growth of the game. Uh, both, I just, you know, financially, especially, just, you know, your thoughts on, on that, on these divisions continuing. Yeah, I mean, that that won't get old. I mean, for those who are out there, and believe it or not, they are out there. I don't have to tell you both that are critical of these realigned divisions. you got to be kidding me. A, it was a fabulous decision because for the right reasons, because of the pandemic. Two, oh, by the way, these rivalries are more intense. I'm not sick of seeing Flyers Penguins. I'm not sick of seeing Flyers Rangers. I'm not sick of any of that in the East. I'm not sick of seeing Tampa, Florida this year. I mean, my gosh, the Battle of the Sunshine State has never been better than it is right now in that unbelievable central division. And Carolina, you know, there are just so many storylines. Listen, listen, with all due respect to New Jersey and Ottawa, do I need to see them like, you know, five <laughs> times a year? I do not. I don't right. want to. Right. So if, if the and I understand Gary Bettman and Bill Daly talking about when asked, Hey, are we going to see these realigned divisions? Are we going to see a North division next year? You know, they can't answer that right now. The only thing I would say that, you know, I would say, eh, don't run the table with these is because people who want to see Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, if they don't get to see them a lot, and if it just stays in Canada, the type of thing where once we all, all the fans can go back in the arenas, um, then that would be, that would be a shame because you have to, I don't have to tell you guys, to see Connor McDavid in person on the ice, do what he does, just naming one guy or Nathan McKinnon, the speed. There's just so much that transfers through the television or through your screen. You have to see that in person. So I wouldn't want any hockey fan to miss out on that as much as, you know, they had an opportunity to see it. 
No, but what I'm saying is that, you know, you play instead of eight, you play like four or five, but you still play the other divisions. I just think to know I that live every that. year that we would have a playoff that's series. That's like you know, the, the old playoffs. days. Yeah. yeah. yeah so the like- playoff series would stay the way they are now. So you, your first two rounds are in your division. Yeah, that's like I the old think, days. Yep. Yeah, I love it. I think that that would be really good for TV, both in the U.S. and in Canada. Maybe those talks are going on right now. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? You know, I may be in some production meetings, but I'm not in the meeting with the big suits. Okay? <laughs> so, but you know, there's smart people there. So they're going to do whatever gets clicks and ratings. And that would, that it's just, when you have rivalries going up against each other, especially in the playoffs, like you guys have mentioned, um, so many storylines, which are, which are great. I mean, so look, you play the game, you know, the game, we're seeing more and more women, both, uh, you know, in Canada and the U.S. Yes. Not just as hosts anymore, but as analysts, as yeah. play-by-play people. You know, can you just talk about just your thoughts on how women have either chipped at or maybe even broken through that old boys club? And could we see Linda Cohn doing play-by-play in the NHL when ESPN has the deal? Listen, if they offered that to me, I would definitely uh, be seriously <laughs> intrigued. Um, but if I can have uh, any uh, great role in our coverage, I'd I'd be very grateful. Um, as long as the the entire product is fantastic, but you hit it on the head. Um, as soon as the door opened just a little bit, women like AJ Malesko just burst through. She is like incredible as an analyst. I don't have to tell you guys as well, doing NBC and of starting out with the New York Islanders and kudos to the Islanders who gave her that opportunity. Um, so as soon as there was an opportunity for women to do uh, color commentary and be an analyst, wow. So, you know, I mean, if I was in, again, in the big time meeting, I would look at her, you know, for a type of thing, because I think it's important if it's not me and we should not just because it's a woman, because she's qualified. And there are, of course, so many qualified women um, in North America as a whole up in Canada who they were also in the forefront. I think Calgary Flames come to mind as one. Uh, Definitely. I mean, I think it's I think there's a lot of room there where those kind of hires have to happen. Uh, not because they're women, because they're fantastic at their job. You, you mentioned your show in the crease on ESPN Plus. Do you know any idea? Are you gonna? Is that gonna stay on ESPN Plus? Maybe move to cable, or will you, will there be a regular hockey show on cable, or is that still too? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to have some breaking news for you guys, um, but I don't know it. You know, because that kind of chatter has just begun and talked about. Um, I let it be known that, and they already know this, that that would be a great possibility. It's already a brand in the crease and, you know, they've done that with other shows. So I'm very, you know, fingers crossed hopeful, but I'm also, you know, hopeful that uh, whatever role it is, I mean, I'd still be into being a pre and post game host type of thing and studio uh, type of uh, player, whether it's analyst or host. Um, but in the crease is something that's very important to me and that I help build. So um, I expect it to grow. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, if I was a betting person, I know nothing, but if I was a betting person, uh, I think we're going to have a nice, beautiful studio dedicated for the National Hockey League. Well, look, all we need to hear is the NHL tonight, you know, old music. And uh, I think that was well, played back- on in the creeks. Yeah, that music. I know. So, you so know, let's hear it on TV. But yeah, I know you sound so old school, though, because obviously it's not just about our television, even though I'm staring at one there and I got two big ones in my uh, two bedroom apartment. <laughs> but, you know, it's all about the screens. But no, you're right. I understand what you're saying for sure on terrestrial or whatever they call it, just mainstream TV, because people still go to those sets. Uh, but you'll it, like I said, 
I'm telling you, it's going to be uh, bigger and better than even it was 17 years ago because of what's changed in our world technology wise and broadcasting and talent level. So, Linda, you I mean, look, we've all we've all had our moments interviewing athletes and hockey players are great. But was there a hockey interview that you did where you went, oh, crap, I re that really did not come out of my mouth? Oh, wow. I thought you were going to say something positive. Like, is it one that you remember? Uh, no, I mean, I, I honestly, not that I'm perfect, but it's more when I think of, here's the thing. I love this game so much and I love these players so much and I understand what they go through that my biggest concern is trying not to sound a little bit too excited. Okay. That's my thing. Not that I'm going to say something foolish, but more like, you know, like I'm one of the guys, you know, like I know what it's like to be to play, to be in the dressing room, you know, that kind of thing. But to me, the most exciting interview is always the one like I remember I covered the 2017 Stanley Cup final Pittsburgh Penguins and Nashville Predators. That was a fun final to do. But I really saw and it made me even appreciate Sidney Crosby even more how he handled that dressing room, how he was a leader on that team, an incredible captain, what he did on the ice in the big spots. So always my biggest thrill is interviewing a guy like that after he scored a big goal, or I remember an interview that, you know, was just a, a, a biggest goal of his career as a role player, you know, Chris Kunitz, he had a double overtime goal against Ottawa, as you remember, and Ottawa would have been the team in the final, not Pittsburgh, interviewed Chris right then and there after the game. Those are the kind of things I remember, not the kind of things that I, like <laughs> I have said something bad, but, uh, you know, but my biggest thing is, did I sound too like a, you know, wee hockey girl, you know, love, love the game. That's what I always have to be. Okay, bring it down, Linda, but be you. I thought you were going to say your greatest moment from 2017 uh, covering of the finals was being at Tootsie's, you know, every night. <laughs> that wasn't me. That wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't me. <laughs> Some of them might have looked like me, but it wasn't me. And, uh, you know, and the other thing, you know, those are the kind. I mean, I have some like great, you know, there's some great memories. Of course, the great Ranger memories, you know, interviewing Derek Stepan after a big double overtime goal against the Caps and, you know, Marty St. Louis, you know, that incredible run in 20. You remember that in 2014 when the Rangers went uh, and uh, played the Kings in the final. And that was also a, a very memorable year for me. And that was really my biggest test, how I had to just like. Okay, you know, bring it down. But I learned that early on when I was covering the Islanders back in the day in the 80s, as I date myself, um, when I was a, grew up a big Rangers fan. So I learned then how to be objective. I want to ask, you know, just going back to just women and their influence in the game, there's a person and look and all full disclosure. I, I have known Manon Rayom for many, many years, worked together with her. For me, I, I think she's someone that should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. She's done something that nobody else did. She was way ahead of her time. Uh, just, you know, your thoughts on, on, on her influence uh, in the game, you know, especially for women. Yeah, you know, uh, as you know, I, I got to meet Manon Rayom and Luke Robitaille's event. We played uh, hockey. I was on the ice. I was very disappointed she didn't want to suit up and be goalie. She let me do the honors, which I was honored about. Uh, but um, we've kept in touch over the years. And right now I'm really proud of Manon because she's actually, besides being an incredible mother, um, is the fact that she is very uh, connected with local hockey in the state of Michigan. And uh, we were just conversing by text message last week when the news came out. And she's been working on her broadcast game as well. But to your point, 
I, I have to be honest, I actually thought she was already in the Hockey Hall of Fame in some capacity, in some way. And I love that place, by the way. It's it's a fabulous Hall of Fame. And, you know, a wall. How about a whole wall of Manon Rayom and what she accomplished and what she meant for little girls and even young women like me, you know, who thought, oh, my gosh, when she and it wasn't a stunt by Phil Esposito, who I love. It was for real. And what she did and how she held her own in an exhibition game as a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning and what she has meant to the hockey community. Of course. Yes. I mean, at least a wall. You know, if I can't get a wing from Manon Rayon, <laughs> can we get a wall? <laughs> Well, Linda, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, this is, you know, the, the news of hockey returning to ESPN, where it so rightfully belongs, is, is very exciting. And uh, I'm sure you will be a large part of it. And so best of luck to you and continued success with In the Crease. And let's see, Mad Dog Sports Radio and Sports Center. Uh, I don't know how you have time to breathe. Uh, it's okay. I do. Because what are we talking about? We're having fun. We're talking sports. We're talking hockey. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. And again, continued success on this and so many of your other endeavors. Thanks so much. Take care, Thank Linda. You. Have a great day. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening to that discussion with Linda Cohn from ESPN. And we had Andrew Marchand from the New York Post talking all about this big NHL on ESPN deal, which I think will be really big for the game of hockey. We have a great episode coming up next with the Seattle Kraken director of player personnel, Norm McIver, formerly of the Blackhawks. Um, really in-depth conversation about starting out with an expansion team and what that means and what his, what his job entails these days. Uh, speaking of the Seattle Kraken, if you missed our last episode, we spoke to longtime NHL coach Bruce Boudreaux, who's been rumored to be interested in the Kraken job. We talked to him about that and a bunch of other things. If you subscribe to the podcast, you'll, you'll make sure you won't miss the next one. And if you could uh, rate and review, that would be great as well. You can follow me on Twitter at West Coast Hockey. That's hockey spelled H-K-Y. Couldn't afford the other letters. You can follow Hart at puckpedia.com. Follow the show at Show Me The Money Hockey Pod. And you can also check us out on Instagram as well. For Hart Levine, I'm Jonathan Davis. You've listened to another edition here of the Show Me The Money Hockey Podcast.